Hey there, it's Carolyn. Before we start today's podcast, I wanted to tell you about a brand new challenge that we have starting over in the Homestead Kitchen membership really soon. This one is all about making your very own herbal oils and culinary oils and cosmetic oils and turning them into salves and balms for your herbal medicine cabinet. If you're interested in joining me for the Herbal Oils and Salves Challenge, then go to homesteadingfamily.com forward slash podcast dash herbal oils. Again, that's homesteadingfamily.com forward slash podcast dash herbal oils. Hey, you guys, this is Josh and Carolyn with Homesteading Family, and welcome to this week's episode of the Pantry Chat Food for Thought. This week, we're talking about seven reasons you should be homesteading. And we're drawing on these from Joel Salatin's new book, Homestead Tsunami. If you guys haven't seen this book, you really need to check, check it out. We'll talk a little bit more about it. Mm -hmm. And these are the seven of the heavies, but they're things we need to stop and think about for a moment once in a while. You guys know us. If you've been following us for a while, you know that we're usually solutions oriented. We don't mm -hmm. like to spend too much time poking around the problems, right? It's like right. you just have to watch the news for that. You gotta you get a lot, but it is important to be aware of what's going on, aware of the heavier things because those do. Well, they, they, direction, right? they are the problems, right? If we're focused on solutions, yeah. it's because there's a problem. And there are, in probably some of these cases, past problems or potential problems that can rise again that we really need to be mindful of. Yeah. So anyways, this is going to be a great discussion. We're going to explore uh, Joel's book a little bit and um, we'll get to that in just a minute, though. Yeah. We need a little chit chat. A little chit chat. Always got to have a little chit chat. <laughs> what is going on with you this week? Oh, okay. So, I mean, welcome to 24. I just got to say, welcome to 24. We're here. How did that happen? I just feel like we were, <laughs> we're just saying this for 23, and yet here we are. Something about the older you get, the faster it goes. I don't know. I, I am starting to believe that that is absolutely true. It's a good thing in a lot of ways, though. Yeah. It, I think it means that we're busy, we're productive. productive. Life is moving along, but man, it does go fast sometimes. Time flies when you're having fun. And working right? hard. And working hard. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it's it's that time of year where like all the decorations down, the uh, celebrations kind of wrapping up, although we have some birthdays this month in our house. Um, and uh, at the time you guys are seeing this, we are gearing up for the first Thomas Child wedding. And that that's right. really exciting. Um, so we've got a lot of that stuff going on, but this is, it's all going to be behind us really quickly here. And we're just like in buckle down mode. This is that kind of dark days of winter. I feel like even though the days are technically getting longer, um, it's cold, it's a little dreary and it is time to buckle down, get through school, get through some of the indoor projects mm. and, you know, just really focus on getting some of that done for me. But I've got to tell you guys what I'm drinking because this is something I am so absolutely in love with. This is the Hushroom Cocoa Mix from um, Farmhouse Teas. It has no sugar in it. <laughs> and I, that sound, that's got to sound awful, but I actually had to call Sian and ask her over at Farmhouse Teas, was this a labeling mistake? Because it does not wow. taste like there's no sugar in it to me. It doesn't have any like alternate sweeteners. It's just good. 
And um, the really cool part about it, though, isn't the sugar. It's that it's filled with adaptogen mushrooms and herbs. And so it's actually it's healthy and good. It is so good this time of year. It's like we're getting over the sugar high of Christmas and all of that. And you're like trying to come off of chocolate everywhere. <laughs> I'm missing I the seas candies. They're gone. <laughs> and so I can still have some chocolate, but I don't have to have the sugar and I can be nourishing my whole system on top of it, helping me to handle the seasonal stress of like, um, you know, health issues and, and yeah. stuff. So I am so excited about this and I'm enjoying it. A we lot. can tell. Yeah. It's it really is, fun. It's good. <laughs> when you Sounds find good. something that oh, just yeah. works in Absolutely. it, I, I don't know. I know I get excited about it. Sorry. Yeah. It works and I like it and I want to share it with everybody. So there you go. I've shared with you now. I can so just go back to So check out enjoying. what kind of tea? It's called Hushroom. Hushroom. Hushroom Cocoa. Over at Farmhouse Teas. Yeah. We'll get you a link down below. Yeah, we will definitely do that. But what have you been up to? Alrighty. Well, you know, it's January and it's what Shannon Hayes over at Sapbush Hollow Farms calls pencil pushing month. <laughs> and it's true in there a lot of ways, you know, got to be thinking about taxes. Got to be thinking about budgeting for the year. Got to be thinking about buying seeds. Um, we're, I think, going to do another round of trees. We planted, I don't know, 20-something trees last year. I think we're going to do another round here this year. Yep. So it's really planning month, getting ready for gardens, getting mm -hmm. ready for um, just doing our plans while things are a little dreary, a little the gray. The projects for the year. The projects yeah. for the year, yeah. So really getting my head into those things. And it's important, you guys, to have a plan, have some goals for the year, have your big goals, have your small goals. As a matter of fact, we have a pantry chat where we talk specifically about Definitely. this. So we'll try to see if we can get that linked. And um, yeah, it's just, it's a planning month is the way I see it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. diving into that. Little extra time at the desk. That's sitting right. We're sitting in front of the fire. <laughs> try to do some of that in the fire. Absolutely. Oh, that's cool. good. Well, hey, let's. We got a bit to cover today, and yeah. not a ton of time, so let's get to one subscriber question. Sounds and we'll good. Move on. Uh, Dixie Grissom on wait. I freeze dried what video? Um, she says I have dried cranberries, but would like to freeze dry some. Do I have to poke holes in them, like for blueberries, to do it successfully? Yeah, this is this is kind of a tricky thing when it comes to freeze drying. It's the same for dehydrating as the skins of some of those berries, berries, cherries. Um, so think like grapes, uh, blueberries, cranberries, cherries, something that has that nice thick skin all the way around it. That skin is very good at protecting the berries from drying out, right? That's yeah. kind of what it's doing. So if you don't break that skin in some way, you are going to cause yourself a whole lot of extra time in the freeze dryer, in the dehydrator, whichever method you're doing. So there's a couple ways of handling this. You can one, just slice every single cranberry, a little bit time consuming. Mm -hmm. The other option, you can poke every cranberry with a needle or something like that. They actually mm. have berry roller tools. I have one. They look like some medieval weapon of some sort <laughs> and it's like a whole lot of really sharp needly things that come off think of like a lint roller but with sharp points all over it and you roll it down like a tray hmm. of berries and poke so they do have some ways of making that faster the other really fast method of doing this is called checking and that's where you essentially blanch your berries really fast you drop them in boiling water for about 30 seconds and that bursts the skin. And then you transfer them to cold water 
to cool them off so they don't continue cooking. And then you um, dry them off before you freeze dry or dehydrate them. That's the fast way of doing it if you want to do a whole lot all at the same time. But you do want to do one of those methods. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. So ready to dive into Good the stuff. main topic of the day. All right. So we are taking this right from Joel Salatin's Homestead Tsunami. Really want you to check this book out. Whether you are new to homesteading, whether you're a seasoned seasoned homesteader, this book is um, eye opening. Uh-huh. It's inspiring. It's encouraging, and and yet it's calling us to action. It's calling us to think real. And so we're diving into a little bit of the heavies. Most of this book is actually like on all the positives, and okay. and, and maybe we'll do another uh, section at some time. But. We do need to realize there are things that, and we've realized in this last few years, that mm-hmm. things come up that we wouldn't expect to experience in our society. Yeah. And I think the reality is, is that more of these things are possible. And so there's some things to keep in the back of our mind. Okay. At the moment, in the front of our mind. Yeah. So seven reasons. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. Let's okay. get into them. Now, just to be clear, I haven't read this book yet. It's been on your yep. bookshelf or on your yep. nightstand. And I've been reading so it. So as soon as you're done, I'm going to grab it and read it. So yep. I'm, I'm very excited about this. Absolutely. And this is in chapter, this is coming from chapter five in stashing and stockpiling. Okay. And uh, it's a list of things of possibles that, that people face over time and mm-hmm. reasons why we want to be prepared and why we want to be living prepared in the homesteading life. Yeah. And in these times. And so number one, it's a biggie and it's war. Ooh, yeah, we're seeing that, you know, around the globe right well, now. And we're we're walking into a season where we're seeing that happen again. Yeah. And and because we haven't experienced it in a big way in so long, we forget the realities. We don't know. Most of our generation doesn't mm-hmm. understand. And Joel says here, nothing stresses food inventories like war. In America, we haven't fought, and I'm kind of paraphrasing here, inside our borders since 1865. Mm. We really don't know the implications, and yet we're getting to a world where more and more we see Ukraine, we see Israel. I think most of us understand the potential implications and the challenges that could come. And Joel gives us a good reminder, the Romans felt impregnable. They felt like they could never fail until they weren't. (laughs) <laughs> and so I think that's the point right there that we have to remember. It's not like this isn't war fear mongering. The war right. is a reality of civilizations. Um, powerful civilizations feeling impregnable is a reality. Us getting comfortable is a reality. Mm-hmm. And understanding that things can change. Yeah. And that war will probably come again. And I'm, I'm not making a prediction, neither is Joel, about tomorrow or this year or anything. Right. But it is a reality. And so it's something to remember that. Um, we can face those challenges. The homesteading life is an answer to that, that Mm. living prepared. Yeah, that's very good. I think of the um, BBC uh, TV show, what is it? Wartime Farm and Kitchen. It might be something like that. Mm -hmm. But that's an older series. Well, there's also uh, Wartime Farm is another one. And, uh, you know, they all give a little bit of a picture of what happens with the food you know, look look back yeah. at the historical, what has happened food-wise in nations yeah. um, and what people have to do to deal with it. So it's a good thing to be aware of and realize that it, it changes life really quickly. Just trying to deal with the food aspect of war. Well, and resources, even yeah. if even if it's not on our soil, you know, World War II, we had issues. Yeah. Europe had issues with food and food production. Of course, you remember there's, I can't think of the exact, there's a lot of signs and the victory gardens mm-hmm. and a lot of things encouraging people. So let's get proactive. Right. You know. Exactly. Okay. Number two, 
Civil unrest, just short of war, armed conflict. This happens from time to time. He gives an example of the Canadian uh, trucker strike in 2021. Um, that's a pretty mild case. But civil unrest is another disruptor mm-hmm. that can. And we're looking at, and especially in our country, a more and more um, fractionalized political system and process that becomes more and more of a real possibility. Yeah, we start seeing rumblings of that. You know, mm-hmm. we've seen them in the last well, few years. Seattle in yeah. was that twenty twenty or twenty twenty one. Yeah, you, you start know. seeing little bits and go, wow, this could go bad really quickly. And uh, you know, the reality is, is I I hate to say it this way, but we just really don't have a moral people anymore. We have moral degradation in yeah. our culture, and and that leads to. Problems and that leads to when people get afraid, whatever mm-hmm. the reason is, uh, or they get deeply unhappy with their government, you yeah. end up with civil unrest that disrupts all kinds of things. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that was number two. Number three, lockdowns. Yeah, if, who thinks you're going to see that again? I do, actually. I think that was a trial run. <laughs> well, in 20, January of 2020, if you would have said, if, if I would have gone to a friend, anybody I know, and said, sometime in the next couple months, most of the United States is going to be locked down and be convinced to stay in their homes, not go to work, not travel. And in fact, it's going to happen all over the world. Oh. Anybody would have laughed and said, that's not possible. It's especially not possible in the United States of Absolutely. America. And yet we know what happened. Yeah. And we went through what we now call COVID. And I agree with you. That was a test run. That was just the beginning. It's yeah. coming again, whatever the reason is. And we, I think we all understand very well the disruption that that caused. And that's been a big motivator for a lot of people, which is great. But we're getting removed from it. And I see people kind of getting relaxed, getting a little like, you know, yeah. not so worried about it. Those seeds are down in the basement. I'll get them if I need them, right? The, the beans, band-aids, and bullets mentality. I'll mm-hmm. just stockpile it. We need to live prepared. Yeah. Yeah, and I think um, you and I have heard a lot of people, a lot of homesteaders, people who have been developing their homesteads, start saying things like, you know, I'm just not going to do so much next year. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a lot of work. I think I'm going to relax a little. And I think it's really important to, to point out, we're looking at maybe the calm before the storm. Like we haven't just gotten through the storm, whatever the storm is. We're in a situation where we're kind of in society's degrading well, in a lot of places, it is going to con- continue to get less stable any way you look at it. Yeah. I, I don't look at any sector of our society and go, oh, wow, that's just really getting more stable like that. That's We're going to really depend on that as you know, right. whether we're talking medicine, morality, families, government, government institutions, all uh, of fi- it. fiscal responsibility, finances, all of it is like, this doesn't look so good. <laughs> well, and it's it's and again, it's not to be a harbinger of doom, but civilizations go through a historical pattern. And that's right. a that's a whole nother discussion. But it is a reality. It is a truth that all civilizations go through a historical pattern. And we are on the downside of that historical pattern. With that, all civilizations, when I did research for the School of Traditional Skills, there is record back to the Roman Empire and even the Mesopotamia of people Going back to, they didn't call it homesteading, but going back to the land, going back to rural communities mm-hmm. and shoring themselves up and beginning yeah. to live prepared. So it is a reality and, and civil unrest is a little hard to imagine in America, but it can come. And when people get very, very dissatisfied, enough of them, 
it happens and it disrupts things, whatever level Absolutely. it is. Yeah. Um, and along with lockdowns, sorry, we were already on the lockdowns, but that, that's a new one in our mentality, lockdowns yeah. in the American psyche, but it's a reality. And, and I agree, it's probably coming again. Here's another one we really take for granted, and that is the grid uh-huh. and grid breakdown uh, specifically and the possibility of our grid, whether it's a failure on the inside because it's so fragile and so flip of a switch and so dependent on code or whether it is some sort of intentional attack against it, uh, we can't go very long as a society mm-hmm. grid down or large sections of grid down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, does anybody else think it's absolutely crazy that we keep channeling more and more things to electric? Now we're now we're electric vehicles, right? The big push is electric vehicles. Mm. And yet we're already dealing with rolling blackouts in the middle of summer because we're already overloading our grid to the point where we're having to shut things down. And yet we're channeling more and more things onto the same grid that's already proving that it's weak and not able to handle what it is we're throwing at it at this point. So I, I think that becomes, you know, grid down. Maybe we're talking major grid down. That's definitely a scenario. But I think we all have to be absolutely prepared for the fact that our grid's not going to continue being as stable because of over demand. That, and that's actually the bigger reality. Re- yeah. Regional grad, grid down, uh, brownouts, blackouts. Yeah. We are not producing. We don't have a system that's producing enough electricity to keep up with the increased demand for all of these things. That is a reality. And so it's reality that electricity is going to get more expensive, way more expensive in the coming decade or two. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's going to be service issues without war, without some of the other things that could affect the fragility of the system. And so getting prepared for that is really, really important. I don't think that necessarily means going wholly off grid that you need to freak out and go spend Thirty, fifty, eighty thousand dollars on an off-grid solar system, but you can start building resiliency yeah. to deal with that. Yeah, and we actually have a whole pantry talk chat where we talk about some of the. Um, I think we call it lies of, of going off-grid. Yeah, off-grid lies, and so that would be a really good one to listen to if you're interested more in that topic because you do have to go into that with your eyes wide open. Yeah. And there are lots of things that without going totally off grid, in fact, staying on grid, where you can create a system where you've got backups for power from a month to a year and not necessarily with going off grid. Right. Just being prepared and having backups just like you'd have in your pantry, like you'd have in your barn if you've got animals, extra feed stored, you know, all your supplies. You can do that with electricity. Um, Number five is sabotage. Um, Shortly after 9-11, the agriculture. Culture media carried numerous reports about sabotage vulnerability and how to make sure your farm was not susceptible. Susceptible. <laughs> um, our food and water system can be easily poisoned. Yes. Is one. Our transportation system, again, our grid system, all of these things can disrupt our food supply. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we were just watching the Epic Times uh, has the No Food, No Farmers, I think is what it's called. Mm, yeah. Um, show on there and we were watching that and they were referring to how much of our farmland is now um, owned by China. Big, big companies Mm, in China owning the farmland and how uh, easy it would be to shut down some of our major food systems in our country because, you know, somebody who looks like they're politically enemies of ours. I don't know if we say that if 
I don't think we quite acknowledge that yet uh, politically. Well, we out should. Loud, but I, mean, I think we all kind of know that in rumblings, mm -hmm. you know, that well they're owning a lot of our farmland and a lot of our food production systems. And that it's kind of a scary thing. And, you know, we can get on the trail of that shouldn't be because it shouldn't be and, you know, get really upset. That's a different subject. Right. It is reality. And, and that's just one. Um, you control the food, you control people. Mm -hmm. We have our own concerns from corporate, large corporate control of the food supply yeah. that they can turn a switch and, you know, sabotage the food system intentionally hmm. to control people. So there's a lot of reasons where sabotage can come in. And it's one that's it's, it's fairly unimaginable to us in our society. But it's one we need to understand is, is a potential reality. But I think it's also good to be aware that, you know, this is actually happening on some small scale right now. There have been so many fires and disasters and process, food processing plants hmm. across the country. Now, are those all proven to be sabotage? No. Probably not. I don't know. You don't hear the follow-up news on these things. But you start looking at patterns of things that are happening. You know, maybe I'm a conspiracy theorist. I probably am. <laughs> but I'm also looking at patterns and going, hmm, that doesn't seem likely. Well, it's one of the beautiful things about the information age and that I love about technology. There can be a lot of proliferation of bad information, certainly. Yeah. But there's also a lot more good information and there's a lot more validity and understanding to the realities that there, there, you know, are different forces at work that can affect our systems. Mm -hmm. uh, besides the random ones, there are potentially um, intentional ones. Yeah, and it's good to be living aware and preparing for that. Absolutely. Um, number six is disease. This is oh. another one that we kind of go. I think even with COVID, a lot of people think, "Well, that was manufactured. That was whatever. Whatever COVID was." The point is not to argue whether it was or was not. Disease can affect us, and we think that we're so sophisticated in this mm -hmm. world that we're conquering most of them, and that to truly have something, and, and even COVID got overblown, right? It didn't do the damage they said it was going to do. Right. And that makes us go, oh, that, you know, that, that couldn't really happen. Yeah. Disease is a part of human history, and we are not above it. We are not past it, even though we have, you know, areas of our medical system that, that fight it well and, and that have contained a lot of it as far as a lot of the world goes. We can still have disasters that arise out of disease. We're actually heading towards more disasters because of some of the ways we've handled things with the medical system. Antibiotic resistance is a major, major problem, yeah. and it is creeping up. And it is taking over. And, you know, right now we're still kind of hush, hush, hush. It's not making big news, but it is killing. I was just reading. It's it's moving towards one of the top killers in the United States already. And we don't really have great answers for it. We've already kind of outrun our own medical well, system. Well, the medical system doesn't really want you to understand that that fact is a product of other areas of our medical system. Yeah, and the agriculture system. You know, yeah. unintentionally, I would say, hopefully creating these, you know, resistant type bacteria and other things that, you know, we're not going to be able to fight. Yeah, there is actually evidence, too, that I've been seeing that um, vaccine, some of the vaccine things and some of mm. the things that we've said, you know, oh, we're not going to deal with that again. We've kind of eradicated vaccines are working. They've actually mutated beyond the vaccines. And so we're starting to have problems with things coming back out that we haven't seen before. So we do have to be aware that just because we have our modern medical system doesn't mean we're in the clear and we can handle all these things and they're just not going to be a widespread problem anymore. It's not likely. I'd say just like 
breakdown, like war, things that we haven't experienced a lot, mm-hmm. we think we're immune to. But civilizations, eventually the cycle happens and, and one or more of these things comes back mm-hmm. around. Um, finally, number seven, and that is environmental disaster. You know, um, his his uh, example here is Hurricane Katrina. And, you know, we're really not that equipped, you know, and it happens regionally. So as a nation, I don't think we always grasp some Mm -hmm. of the effects of some of these events if you're not in the region. Right. But we actually aren't able to handle them well. And I don't even fault the government for that. Natural disasters are natural disasters. Right. And and they, you know, cause destruction mm-hmm. and they cause problems. Yeah. And just about anywhere you live, there is some potentiality for one form of natural or environmental disaster. And that's not even with going into some of the things that we're causing. Right. You know, I, I'd say that we're causing potential environmental disaster the way we farm, by the way we've destroyed the soil, the way we chemicalize it, the watershed, what that does. I think that is an environmental disaster on a large scale coming. Mm. And um, so that would be a man-made one that I think is out in the future. But um, their reality that we're often kind of, if you haven't just lived through something in your region, a little like, yeah, that could never happen here. Yeah. I think in general, you know, a lot of what we're seeing here and what, a lot of what he's talking about in his seven reasons is we're, we may not be as stable as we've been used to being. Our, our future maybe doesn't look quite as stable as maybe the most recent 50 years, 100 years of our history has mm-hmm. looked. And it's something that we need to come to terms with and be ready to deal with. That is very well said, that it's something we need to come to terms with. And it's the point of talking about these things, because every culture gets successful or every successful major empire culture gets successful. We get comfortable and we think we've got it all under control and we're padded because our systems work well. We're fairly wealthy Mm -hmm. as a nation, as a people. Um, And you just think these things can't happen. And the reality is, is they do happen. They happen in, in historical cycles. We're in one of those cycles and it's important to be aware of these things, not to go walk in fear, not to freak out at the, at the news, but to be informed, to better understand what are the possible realities of these things and how do we respond to them? How do we uh, address them? And I, and I think in part of Joel's whole point in the book, which again is, is, is mostly positive, so I don't want to shed the book in a negative light because I think it's very important that he brings these things out, but he spends most of the time drawing on the positives and the solutions as we try to do here at Homesteading Family right. and say, these are motivators. These mm-hmm. are things to get us thinking and go, you know what? Yeah, I do need to take that seriously. I don't need to walk in fear, but I do need to take it that these are all weaknesses that, that we are not really used to dealing with mm-hmm. and that we need to respond appropriately, which we would say is living a homesteading life, living a prepared life. Yeah, absolutely. And the benefits of homesteading and of living in this way um, really answer a lot of the concerns here. Yeah. And so maybe that's something we should get into in another pantry chat is really talking about the benefits of homesteading and how it answers the concerns of what we're seeing in a destabilized society. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a bigger topic than we can tackle today. Well, and it's, so. it's a great idea, and he definitely dives in deep here. So okay. check out Homestead Tsunami um, and get that on your nightstand or whenever your reading time is, and we'll talk about maybe opening some of those up, whether it's out of the book or our own ideas Great idea here in the near future. Yeah. And in the meantime, make sure you're doing your planning. You're taking a look at how prepared you are, 
what systems you have that are maybe weak or need to be worked on a little mm -hmm. bit this year and start putting it into your year plan to get in a little bit more stable situation so you can weather whatever storm it is that comes your way. Little bits at a time. Yeah. 1%, you know, 1% <laughs> little leaps. There you go. Can get you there. Guys, it's been great getting to hang out with you and uh, we'll see you real soon. Absolutely. See you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pantry Chat, Food for Thought. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review. To view the show notes and any other resources mentioned on this episode, you can learn more at homesteadingfamily.com slash podcast. We'll see you soon. Goodbye.